This podcast was recorded at the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington. Special thanks to Django and Jeff for being great co-hosts. The interview with Jean Luen Yang was recorded at the Convention Center in Seattle, Washington in March 2017. Special thanks to Jean and his wonderful work. This episode was edited by Jeff Figley from the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast and Natalie Moore. Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass effect, lyrical oxidation, you're irrelevant, mass spectrograph, your electron volt, atomic energy erupting as I get all open on betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron, any and every mic you're on, transuranium, if y'all was uranium, molecules, spontaneous combustion, Bam. law of definite proportion, gain, ink, wait, I'm every element around. First crossover podcast. I'm Regina Barbara DeGraff. Um, this is uh, where we share stories of human curiosity. That's our tagline. But I'm here with comic books uh, and fun stuff. And we're here with Comics Place. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves and start their podcast. Well, yeah. So we got a here we are with a perfectly acceptable podcast crossover. Um, between, yeah, yeah. Uh, Regina was wonderful enough to ask us to be included in this. Um, but yeah, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. Where usually every Tuesday we get together and sort a bunch of comic books and pull them and then go home and read them and talk about them. This is a special edition version special. of that podcast. Hybrid. Crossover. The specialist. Yeah. Yeah. Very in line yeah. with comic <laughs> books and physics crossovers. And, and actually, um, you know, I start every podcast with saying, like, I teach physics and astronomy at Western Washington University, but you have some, Django, you have some science background, too. So before we get into all this, I kind of want to talk about that and give you some science cred. I mean, I want to know about crossover. Django's science so background. Jeff, Jeff doesn't I, even know. I, don't. I code. I do some coding. I, you, I, did I've, some, you did a lot of coding. I've coded a lot of websites, mostly uh, in PHP and uh, MySQL, a little bit of JavaScript recently. And, but um, you did this for like a living before the comics some, place existed. Some days I still do it for a living. Really? This place doesn't pay me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you mean yeah, comics but comics don't pay. No, no, but like <laughs> I misconception. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> comics comics pay other people. Right, right. Um, I yeah, I've, I've got some experience with coding. I don't. I I, I never really went to school for it, so I I kind of picked it all it's up fine. on the fly. Um, I probably have a terrible base, but I can make things work. Mm, it's like my so. physics. Sure. <laughs> 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 oh, I know listeners. when I fall. That's yeah. physics. <laughs> That's true. So, Jeff, you did not know that he is a computer scientist? I know that he's a coder. Uh, he, he does. <laughs> I he like does... how you're like, I'm not going to elevate it I to thought that. you meant maybe like scientists. Like, I immediately pictured Django in a white lab coat. You don't uh, know me, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't. Oh, we need lab coat day at the I, shop. We I do don't have a lab coat. coat. I've never worn a lab coat. Well, and I really liked that portion of your interview with Gene talking about... Uh, Trying to move the common uh, vision of what a scientist is beyond the, the standard Doc Brown, white lab coat, big glasses, hair frizzing out. Right, white um, guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to throw that in, but no, no. Um, so let's tell our listeners who who we're talking about today. We're talking about Gene Luen Yang, and he is the writer of um, Secret Coders, New Superman. He was the writer of um, Superman. Uh, I don't have the comic. Which American one was that? American Born Chinese. Ameri is his big yeah. book, Boxers and Saints. He like, wrote a bunch of the Avatar. Yeah, he writes the Avatar, Avatar left stuff. Airbender series. Oh my god, he writes all of those. Yeah, yeah. He uh, Shadow Hero, which is amazing, and has like a little free comic at Panda Express. Go to Panda Express right now and get that comic because it's actually <laughs> really entertaining. Huh. I I actually really want to read that one because it's yeah. about the the first superhero in China. Is that right? It's this first American, uh, Asian American superhero. So, um, uh, oh. so for for you listeners who listen to uh, Comics Place um, podcast, and uh, you can go to uh, SparkScienceNow.com and watch one of our first videos. It's with Gene Luen Yang, and we talk about um, the Shadow Hero and how it was actually written in the 1930s, and it only had three uh, like three issues, sorry, six issues, and it was written by an American, um, Asian American uh, comic book artist, and like nobody knows who he is now. 
But um, he really wanted to make, or people say he really wanted to make the character Asian American, but the the uh, publishers were really against that. So every single um, panel is drawn with like the back of him. Like you never see the you face. Never see face. Huh. So like he did that out of like silent, like passive aggressive protest. Wow. So and so he. Gene uh, Luen Yang and his and his buddy Sonny, um, the artist, like put together um, a n- kind of a new reboot version of the Shadow Hero in a in a cool graphic novel. It came out, I think, like five years ago. Yeah, yeah and it's really really good. And basically, a continuation of that story is the Panic Express, like one off huh. side story. Cool. Uh, yeah. And and I read the beginning of Boxers and Saints, which is a it's amazing. box that he did that, yeah, uh, is the story of the Boxer Rebellion told from both. It's two different books, and it's In like told 1914 from 1914 or something? Yeah, both perspectives. 1904, I don't remember. Uh, and Listeners, got, you should Facebook us and tell us the actual date. Yeah, please, <laughs> please correct me when I'm wrong, which yeah. is going to be most of the sentences. But yeah, I he's got a body of work that absolutely fascinates me. Like uh, yeah. he, he combines fiction and history. Uh, and like mysticism, kind of, which is really cool. I, and then just science and coding <laughs> yeah. in there as well. <laughs> yeah. um, That's a type of mysticism. Yeah, it is. absolutely. It, I mean, hey, I'm a big mysticism <laughs> yeah. fan. I just had to make it fit real quick. Science was magic before it was explained, Oh, right? well, Arthur C. Clarke, any any highly advanced technologies indistinguishable from magic? Oh, no, that was Thor. Oh, never mind. Thor Sorry, Thor that. quote. <laughs> um, His astrophysics physics like girlfriend said that right well yeah she, Jane Foster. Okay. well that was while he was also doing some coding he was a scientist <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> hey i think coders are scientists he I coded think. the oh, hammer i I, yeah. I agree i've got a narrow view of things i can't wait to broaden um <laughs> and let's give gene his his other titles too he's the national ambassador for young people's yeah. literature um you know appointed by the white house when obama was still president and uh he's also uh, MacArthur Genius Fellow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, and so I interviewed him um, at Emerald City Comic Con. Um, I think this was just this year, yeah. co- like a month ago. I don't even know. Time flies. Early March. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. And so I interviewed him, and it happened. I interviewed him a couple months after that happened, and I was saying like, "What was it like? Like, what, what did you go through?" So we can. I saw you almost exactly a year ago when you were at Western Washington University, and since then, what has happened to you in your life? Well, I, I've had a bunch of deadlines, some of which I was late for. And, yeah. and then a, a big thing was that um, I got this call one morning when I was on my way to Panera Bread. And uh, <laughs> it was the the MacArthur Fellowship Program. They decided to give me a fellowship, which is shocking and crazy. And, like, I, I basically, I was, I was pulling out of my, my driveway. I got this call from an unrecognized number. I picked it up. I normally don't do it. I don't know why I did it that, that morning. And then they told me I was going to get this grant. And then I just pulled back in my driveway and I like sat there for like an hour. It was just it was it was a shock to the system. So, but it's been amazing. It's it's yeah. been like I feel like I, I got a chance to to um, you know uh, because because of the the spotlight that came with the MacArthur announcement. Yeah, I got to talk to about lots of different folks about the Reading Without Walls program that I'm doing with the ambassadorship. Yeah, and, and that's still going on. Which is still going on. Yeah, yeah which we're we're doing a big push for this um, this April. Mac, Mac, Millen, who's my publisher, they've really gotten behind it. Uh-huh. So they've created like this activity kit for teachers that has like worksheets and and buttons and bookmarks and all sorts of awesome stuff. So yeah, he after I met him the first time at Western, this is before the MacArthur Genius Fellow, and actually before a lot of stuff started blowing up. So he was kind of a little bit more, he was easier to get to. Mm-hmm. And um, like after that interview, he sent me an email because I was like, thank you for you know talking to me, and we had to work through his agent. And we were talking about my background, and we were talking about being, you know, Asian American growing up in small towns, and I talked about being half Mexican, half Chinese, and he literally sent me an image, like, I got an email from him, and it was just an image, and it was an image of a Mexican-Chinese bakery. That's all it was. (laughs) And then I was like, cool, I think we're friends now. (laughs) Before we get into the kind of science-y stuff, I want to do the comic stuff, like your realm. Mm -hmm. So Django and Jeff's realm, we're going to talk about... New Superman, which came out when? Uh, 11 when months the, ago? Yeah, when the Rebirth Initiative started. Yeah, so it's been doing it was, a monthly thing, so it's uh, it's like the second now. wave of Rebirth, I think. Yeah. That's been a ton of fun. Like, DC, this past summer, had a Rebirth event that reset the storyline. It wasn't a hard reset, but it was a soft reset. And it also, I feel like, reset the creative energy within the company. And I feel it. You know, yeah. as somebody who writes for DC, I totally feel it. Uh, part of 
the DC initiative was was this Chinese Superman character that they wanted to introduce. This was not my idea. Yeah, yeah. The, the Chinese Superman was not my idea. Right, we've talked about this do. before, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it freaked me out. Doing it freaked me out. Well, but, and the undertones of, like, communist China and stuff, and I'm like, are you was, scared? Yeah, no, I, I'm not scared for myself. I was yeah. just, like, I wanted to know if it would be okay for me to just talk about whatever, right? Yeah. So Gene talks about rebirth and like the thing that happened before rebirth and he tries to explain it to me and you can hear in the interview that I'm just nodding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what this means. So can you kind of elaborate on like rebirth, why the thing happened, that whatever that was called, New Genesis or what is it? New 52. Yeah, why was that so crappy? I want to know about that. About six years ago, the the heads of DC were like, wow, our sales are low right now. Um, All of our series are at like, you know, 900 or like you know 150 just these they, they felt like there was a really large barrier to entry for a lot of like, oh, yeah. new readers um so they would what, be right yeah. yeah so what they did is they <laughs> took all of their main series they cut it down to just 52 series they started all of them back at number one in an attempt to get people uh to be able to be reading the books ultimately what that did was really confused people with, well, like, uh, well, I have this comic book of Superman dying when he finds Doomsday from the 90s. You're trying to tell me this didn't happen? I have it right here in my hands. Yeah, yeah. they, they mixed up all the continuity. They changed a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked well for about two years. About two years. Um, and then, Well-ish, right? Because it, people didn't like it. They liked it for the first... Most of it was pretty well received for the first okay. two years. Um, and then it just took a nosedive. And the way that they described it is sort of death by a thousand cuts. So they, mm. they they realized they were sort of starting to make all these very slight changes to these characters in an attempt to gain readership, but they had sort of lost what those characters were. And they probably lost some of the base, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah by the end of the New 52, so they made it 52 months. Yeah. It was about five years. Um Oof. And then, yeah. <laughs> so by the end, I was only reading like two DC books. Wow. Um, yeah. And and Jeff is, he was reading as many as anybody was. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> what what happened to let's say the kind of newer um, characters? So, for instance, I when I was a kid, I watched a lot of um, the Batman animated series, mm-hmm. and I know that there were comics that like came out of that. Like, you know, Harley wasn't even in the comics; she was right. in the show right. before she became her own comic. What happened to those comics then? They, they still no they they the, I mean DC is one big universe so when they rebooted it all everybody got kind of a new origin uh. so like Superman <laughs> spent most of his childhood in a government bunker right uh, well that was the Flashpoint story um, oh my god but, but yeah, yeah I couldn't even track it what and I'm a DC guy they they yeah. basically were trying to say like we're not gonna say this stuff didn't happen but we're just not gonna look at it. Mm. So, like, they were still printing these books, and they were still putting them out, like, collections of these older stories. Yeah. But in terms of the monthly books that were coming out, it was uh, a much more narrow focus on sort of – it was very of the now. Like, we want to get people reading these books now, and they can jump on now, and we'll start all over, and it's all going to go super well. And yeah. it obviously didn't. It's Rebirth's been going for about a year now, and they're still in the process of writing an actual reason behind why – the universe shifted and they're throwing in things like the Watchmen and and they're writing a, a larger Which narrative. Gave me nightmares. I yeah. <laughs> As a kid, yeah. No, yeah. Well, not at a kid. I'm way older. <laughs> I guess that's true. That was the 80s. That was the 80s. I read it like in the middle of grad school. Uh-huh. Okay, so, and not when it came out. Yeah. Not when it came right. out, but. Um, so, let, yeah, let's talk about his, so New Superman, and he talks about how he like was approached and he really wouldn't, didn't want to do it at first because, you know, you know, I understand being like the, the ethnic, you know, having to well, do the ethnic comic, but it's a really good series. It's a really yeah. good series. I was, he I eventually was, was convinced. Yeah, <laughs> I was surprised to hear that they had brought that up to him again. Yeah. It's just sort of, you know, I'm dumb. Uh, but like, but truly, it 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 seemed like a, a strange, almost out of nowhere. Like we wanted to be doing this, and and they got him on this book, and it's eleven issues in now, and he's doing something really, really, really unique with it. What I what I love about it so far is uh, is there's these constructs like superheroes that exist, and there's we we know them and are so familiar with them from our like Western perspective. Yeah. You've got a you got an idea of like what a superpower is, right. and he he's taking a different cultural viewpoint of those same constructs. Mm-hmm. So like the way they talk about using chi in this right. to access his powers, yeah, it's, it's totally, not hokey. It's, no, it's, it's internally consistent, well. yeah. but it it absolutely makes sense that. Everything can be viewed from a lot of different perspectives, right. and we've only known this one. And he, it, it's, 
it's not just an insulting like, oh, it's just these characters over here. It's it's right. actually it's not patronizing. No, it's a yeah. holistic yeah. reanalysis of of these things that we're familiar with. Uh, I, I did not realize the depth of storytelling that was going on there. He's also reaching just way into the bag of DC comic book storytelling. Right. And it's, it's not a cover of Superman. It's like it, it's inspired by Superman and Batman and the Justice League, but it's not just the Chinese version of those characters. It's, right. it's what if this was built from the ground up with kind of the same shadow but he mis- behind it all. He messes with those misconceptions. Like, he plays with people's biases. You yeah. know, in the very, very beginning, Gene knows that you're like, well, this is just an yep. Asian Superman, and there's a there's a Chinese Batman, and he's a little fatter. And like, <laughs> right. And, like, and it's like, and there's a, you know, a Chinese a reporter Wonder girlfriend. Woman, and a reporter girlfriend. Yeah. And, and it's all very shallow. And then it all of a sudden, the, you know, the... It just you fall into the deep end, yeah. you know, and um, and I would really suggest uh, you know listeners to to read this comic because it gets into like the fifth issue and you start seeing cr- like very big themes of democracy democracy versus communism and who's actually right and who's actually in charge and and good and bad and just a giant struggle and it's yeah. very very interesting. So uh, so I dropped the, the word democracy. Uh, yeah. In the first issue, just to see what they would say, and they're like, "Oh, let's do it." But then we did we did do something. We did do something that they pushed back on. Um, so uh, uh, in in China, yeah, you know the the internet is censored. Mm-hmm. The internet is filtered, right? And uh, and we, and people debate about whether or not that's appropriate. Right. I think and us as Americans, we mostly say it's not. Right. 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 But <laughs> but in China, they have this debate about whether or not it's appropriate. And those who are more on the side of freedom of information, they have created these code words to talk about the things that they want to talk about. Um, Chi- Chinese, the Chinese language has a lot of homonyms, so they use homonyms to, to say things. If you if you write like the word democracy, yes, yes, you know your Chinese. <laughs> I do know. Yes. So that, I don't that's know the word homonym. Though. That's actually that's actually one of the homonyms. Yeah. That's actually one of the homonyms. Yeah, so, it's a big so, one. Yes, it's a big one. Yeah. So and death and four. And death and four. Exactly. What? You're on a roll. Yeah. You're on a homonym roll. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roll is, a, roll is a homonym in English. It, it is. It yes. is. Yeah. So, like Rick Rolling. Yes, like Rick Rolling. So, um, so in, in China, if you put up a web page, you, you say certain words like, like democracy, it will um, replace that. Like it'll, they'll, they'll filter that out, right? So, uh-huh. so, um, so people who are like freedom of information, freedom of expression activists in China, yeah. they'll, put, they'll embed homonyms in their, in their documents that and they're like sound, benign documents. That sound, that sound benign, that sound innocuous, yeah. but are actually homonyms for terrible things. Wow. So you, one of the most famous yeah. is Grass Mud Horse. Grass mud, grass mud Horse. And if you do a search for Grass Horse, I'm sorry, Grass Mud Horse, you'll see all these like cartoons of alpacas and stuff. Uh-huh. But the reason why they put Grass Mud Horse into these documents is because Grass Mud Horse is a, can I swear? Yeah. You can swear on okay, you can you can you can yeah, you can bleep this out. But right. grass mud horse is a homonym for f- your mother. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Right. Oh oh I know that. You I know, know this that. right? Yes. You know this right? <laughs> so they they're putting. My, my mom like told me this bad word. But okay, about grass mud horse right? Yeah, so they yeah. put grass mud horse in there. They put they put like like cartoons of alpaca, alpaca and and it's all directed at the people who are filtering the internet. They're basically saying f- mother to the people who are filtering the internet. <sighs> So, wow. so it, the original plan, yeah. the original plan was to have a Chinese Joker, who was named Grass Mud Horse. Oh, and they were like, we're not because do they that. were, yeah, because he's he's like, you know, the Joker's like kind of chaotic, yeah, right? yeah. So, so he's chaotic neutral. Well, no, yes. yeah, 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 he's chaotic evil. He's <laughs> yeah. chaotic evil. Yeah. But, but, but I think one of the reasons why they want to filter the internet is because they're worried about the chaos that comes with freedom of expression. Right. So it felt like. Well, and then ha- having having Joker be that. I don't know, but he would almost be working with then. Like Joker wouldn't really be a villain. So, then, so yeah, right? exactly. So, so the Chinese Joker is not necessarily a villain. Right. Yeah, he's not. So, yeah, he's not. So, he, originally the plan was his name would be Grassmud Horse. Yeah. And they're but, like, no. but we 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 put out the first issue with him in it, and he says Grassmud Horse, mm-hmm. but he doesn't say that his name is Grassmud Horse. Okay. So when the second issue comes out, they're like, we need to change it. So he changed it. We ended up changing. Oh, so he's okay. called he's called the alpaca now, which is like oh, it's close. It's close. It's so it's close. close. Yeah. Jeff, you were saying that there's this character that's kind of um, like a trainer for uh, for the new Superman, and he Keenan is that his name? Mm-hmm. So um, and 
and the character, his character is kind of, an, you know, honoring earlier, really, really early comics. So what did you discover that I did not even know? So what I discovered was they introduce a character who is he a villain in this series? I don't even know, right? He's, we haven't I read enough. I think he's a villain. Um, what? Because it's original character, what they did is they a character is revealed. Um, and we'll post this. I took a picture of like of the character in the new Superman comic compared to a, a character on a on a nineteen thirty seven comic, and we'll post that picture. And so what? See the what Gene did is he he introduced a character and then exposed the fact that it's actually the character from the cover of Detective Comics number one from 1937. That's 27 issues before Batman. 27, like before Batman. And and he writes it so fluidly into the story that the like the reveal of the character's face is actually the cover of Detective Comics number one down to the credits on the page being similar to like the flavor text on the cover. Yeah. Um, it's it's uncanny. And, and then, and then. And, and his word balloon. I am yeah, the, very the very beginning. And then a couple issues later, um, we realized that that appearance is a disguise. And the disguise is meant to play off of stereotypes and fears. And he even uses the text of, of Batman, like, I'm going to become a bat. I'm going to I think prey I have on... Yeah, uh, Be- uh, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Exactly. That's what he says. So he's saying, like, you know, bad guys are a cowardly and superstitious lot, and he plays on these superstitions. Um, it's just an instance of somebody taking a huge amount of respect and deference for comic books as a whole. And Gene, you know, he says his very first comic was DC Comic Presents 57, which is, yeah. you know super old but like it shows that he's been reading superman since he was in elementary school right and 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 he talks about that also in the interview because his mom was like he wanted swamp thing but his mom was like no that's gonna be too scary for you do superman yeah um and that shows through in this work like it, it shows through that there's somebody who loves comic books and is um, I he knows this stuff he didn't necessarily have to research it to find the character that he like the, in this case he knew this cover yeah and he didn't have to he didn't have to like slog through tons of old images of racist DC comics yeah. from like, the I, 30s I remember the racist comics so yeah. I got it the yeah. way that he incorporated that racist <laughs> cover into it and yeah. and, 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 and he turned it, it around yeah, yeah. he exactly. reclaimed it yeah, yeah. which and, is I really like and I found a whole bunch of yeah articles online basically about him reclaiming that character uh, it, it was a big news thing about two months ago he's doing an amazing jobs using uh, comic books as a medium to combine with other assets he's He's not relying on comic books as just a source for entertainment. He's yeah. combining it with education. So he's not working within the bounds of comic books. He's using comic books as a tool to accomplish a larger goal. Yeah. And doing things like using them for education is amazing. Serial coders taught me things I did not know. Did you not know binary? No. No, I didn't know. <laughs> it explained binary to me in a way I'd never considered. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm a yeah, psych major, so I just, like, let's talk about feelings. <laughs> no, I, not, mean, yeah. I, I mean, again, I'm a scientist. I did. I know I was taught binary at some point, mm-hmm. but, like, literally I, I read this with my, at the time she was six, and or almost seven, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I did not, I, this, I did not think about it like yeah. this, and I, this, now it's, like, in my head. Like, I cannot get it out because my daughter will start writing numbers in binary. Mm-hmm. All the time. In bird eyes. <clears throat> yeah, actually, she'll say that. She'll be like, I'm the bird, and bird eyes would be this. Um, yeah, and we were talking earlier about how my daughter taught her whole first grade class because, like you said, Gene is not only doing this for education, he made these, like, worksheets yeah. that go along with these yeah. books. Definitely all ages. Yeah. But I wasn't bored. Like, yeah. a lot of times you read something that's written for kids, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is definitely written for kids. And this right. one... I was entertained, like I, I was pulled through the whole first issue, and then uh, book two, uh, I was really excited to read book three when I got to the end of that. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, like, let's get this. Jeff and I were sitting up here, and I was wrapping up book three, and I was just in, in the beanbag giggling up yeah. here in the, in the shop. And <laughs> right. Like, I know, and that's and, pretty special. Well, and then Gene had, had made that comment, and like we can play his comment about gives me a little hint about what's going to happen. I really, really enjoyed Secret Coders. I, Thank you. I loved the second one. And I mean, actually, my first, my 
my favorite part of the first one was when all the the birds go crazy and all their eyes pop open and and the only way to get them to shut off is to show them that you know spoiler alert show show them that number zero and, and just that that scene was so intense for like a comic book and oh, I was just well, like thanks, thanks. Dory really liked that too she was like oh she's like this is genius <laughs> she's like great. this makes so much sense as a like six year old that's um, awesome that's awesome but yeah no it's 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 so so amazing like have what kind of reception have you had from like secret coders dealing with computer science or comics I don't know what has that experience been like I mean overall it's been great I, yeah. I do hear from uh, from readers and, and parents of readers every now and then it seems like there's like this core of nerd kids yeah. that really gravitate towards those books and I'm yeah. hoping that as the series goes on that they'll continue to support it and yeah. working with Mike has been awesome too you know yeah. he's, he's like fast and he's talented and it's just and his artwork is so awesome like it's yeah. so like I don't want to. I don't want to say bubbly, but it's, it's just energetic, like, right? It's energetic, like, yes. yeah, and it's and it's not sharp, you know. Like uh-huh, it's just like uh-huh. this really welcoming the uh-huh. drawings, and it's just it's really yeah. great. Those yeah. are my, that's very my friendly, very very charismatic drawing. He's 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 awesome. He's yeah. great. So we're we're like in, in the in the next few books. So in uh, in book three. We are gonna um, reveal more about the secret behind the school. Right. And in book four, five, and six, they will actually leave Earth. That's that's the grand plan. Oh my They're god. They're gonna leave Earth for a little bit. Yeah. They're gonna leave Earth. They're leaving Earth. Yeah. That is amazing. So you're <laughs> you're bringing in like because um, you know Annie plays um, basketball and so does Hopper, and. Um, and, and now you're bringing in space. You're bringing in so many well, nerd not necessarily elements, space. like robots. I didn't say they're going to space. They're just oh. leaving Earth. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Not necessarily space, though. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> now I have to actually read this. Yeah, no, I'm going, I'm going to anyway. So a thing about Secret Coders, um, it does a thing that I've only seen really at one other point right now in my life, which is there's a book called Flintstones that's coming out. I don't know if you've heard of the Flintstones. <laughs> um, I, I used to watch it. But there's a comic book coming out. And, and it's you just did by, a podcast with yeah. the creator, well, like, well, the writer. The writer yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what he does is he packages uh, really s- complex sociopolitical issues into issues of a comic. So each mm-hmm. issue is like a standalone story, and he takes one or two disparate discussions that need to be had and he wraps them into a cute little narrative that you mm-hmm. can deal with it in and secret coders does the same thing he is taking so many things so many like incredibly educational things and then packaging it into a story like the fact that he's combining textbook material but doing it as a narrative like that is an advanced thing let's yeah. combining let's like you know, synthesis or like it, it's very advanced uh, alchemy. Well, uh, when's the last time you had a textbook with a cliffhanger? That's right. true. That I wanted to like, well, yeah. let's get to the next bit. Did I do that algorithm right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, why don't you try it out yeah. before you turn the page? It's it's so it's it's so interactive without a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, I like what you said about so many complex things because one of the things I instantly picked up on because being like a mixed kid myself great uh you know hopper is like mixed right her mm-hmm. mom's asian her dad's probably white i saw and a picture of that reveal was so well done right and like that the chinese teacher she's like mom you know <laughs> like, just like wow you were really rude to this teacher what right right why are you and such a then, jerk to this yeah. teacher yeah and like and then it has like jocks versus nerds mm-hmm. you know it has like moving to a new school it has private school kind of issues it has um you know uh parents separating issues. I mean, it has all these things that are just very complex, but he just, he's so good at just sprinkling them in enough that you like get it's happening, but you don't, you're not like, um, you're not drowning in it. Yeah. It's not heavy handed at all. The whole thing feels very natural. Right. Even when you realize you've suddenly learned how to code a robot. Oops. It's books like this that get me excited about the comic book medium because I love, your standard superhero comic book, and I love a linear narrative that's going to get us, you know, from A to B in any of the books that I'm, you know, reading or anything. Um, but it's it's things like this that are pushing the industry or the medium in a way. It it's not challenging in that it's difficult, but it's challenging in that it's it's progressive. Right. Yeah. It's it's more than just a comic book. Yeah. And there there are a few. I mean, there there are also superhero comics that do something similar here mm-hmm. where, where they're like, yeah, this is a comic, but it's doing it in a more thoughtful way or in, in a way that hasn't been done before. Yeah. And, and this is taking the whole thing and, and saying, I'm going to do something 
the comics haven't really thought to do yet. I want to bring us back to what you were saying about making materials for teachers. So, like, where is that going to go? Because so far you have these comics where you have activity sheet, where you do binary, you have Mm -hmm. these videos that kind Mm -hmm. of teach kids how to do a logo. And so, like, what is, like, the next thing that you want to kind of integrate into the classroom? Well, we're doing more more videos. I need okay. to do more videos. Um, we, we want to do at least a handful by the end of the year. And then we're, we're talking um, to some other folks to see if we can level up a little bit. Because right now it's just me, right? It's just me, like, and, yeah. and then sometimes I'll get some support from, from first second to, yeah. to make this stuff. But I, we're, we're trying to, to talk to some folks to see if we can level up a little bit and put out. Yeah. more stuff yeah and then on the on the reading without walls side um, we have a lot of teaching material so right. so like what they've done with reading without walls i'm hoping we can figure something out for secret code as well with like, oh wow with yeah. like workbooks and bookmarks and all sorts of stuff like that yeah. well i want to bring it back to what you were saying of intertwining the hard the hard things uh and hard issues and hard stories and you know, difficult, challenging narratives and actually, like, weaving them all together. Mm-hmm. Like, that's basically American-born Chinese, right? That's his first no- uh, his first graphic novel ever that he made, you and know, and... Won an Eisner. Right, and, and, <laughs> like. and, I, and I said to him, when, and I was like, I read this in two hours, I just consumed it, and he's like, yeah, well, it took me five years, but cool. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> but, it, like, yeah, I mean, that's the that's what how he writes, and if you read Avatar The Last Airbender, if you read New Superman, if you read Secret Coders, any of his work is so it's about stories being intertwined like and that's what it's about yeah like, american born chinese is three separate stories that are all part of a larger story right that, but they spoiler alert come together at yeah the end. Right. Um, <laughs> super yeah super super cool well and jeff and i were talking earlier like i read secret coders and then i sat down to read a, a handful of the superman the new superman and i i was reading the new superman at a secret coder's speed because mm-hmm. uh, like I had just finished the third book <laughs> in a row of kind of kid level plotting right and then I was reading the new Superman and, and the dialogue is very similar yeah to the secret coders yeah. but there's a lot more going on on every page like more to digest right. I was and doing then I that got too. a damn and I was like whoa yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Not <laughs> secret coders you can't say that I know um, we just heard Gene swear so yeah he does yeah, right. <laughs> I know <laughs> it was but crazy that, it, it also has, like, th- there are a lot of other parallels where there's, like, the absent parent. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Like, yeah. the, the, a lot of the character stuff that's happening in these, um, yeah, I have it, not... it doesn't really mirror the other, but but there's the, he's, there's he's definitely got themes that he's using. So, and then the last time we talked, you had a new project. So, before we go back to Secret Coders, you had a new project where you followed basketball players Yes, around. I'm still working on that. It's okay. coming out super slow. Not so uh, it's, uh, it's called Dragon Hoops. So I'm uh, awesome. I'm still working on it. Yeah, yeah. So t- tell me more about that because I think you talked about it very little on our last last time. Or yeah, is there not I, much um, new? No, me? I mean I, uh, I I didn't grow up a basketball fan. Yeah. I hated all sports because I was terrible at them. Right. And then because if you're not good at it, then exactly. Never try. What's the point? Yeah. What's the point if you're yeah. not good at it? Right. Anyways, right. I, uh, I, I you know after I started teaching high school, I would hear about the basketball team at the high school because yeah. we had a great basketball team, but oh, wow. I rarely went to the games. Um, eventually, though, I um, started getting interested in basketball, partly because my son started playing, and yeah. um, and then I, is I started, he really tall? Yeah, he's okay. He's okay. He's not. He's not one of the tallest kids in the class, but right. he's okay. But he likes it. Yeah. And and I started striking up conversations with the coach of the varsity men's team at this school, and okay. we became friends. And then I learned this crazy story about him. Right. Mm-hmm. He um, he's an alum of the school, and he was on the basketball team. His uh, when he was a student. His junior year, the team went to state. He -hmm. wasn't the starting point guard, but he was was the backup point guard. The team went to state. In the last seven seconds of the game, um, his team was down one point. He gets the ball in his hands. He puts it up at the buzzer. It goes through the hoop, so they're supposed to win. They they freak out. He's, like, hugging the coach. And then the refs invalidate that last shot because of offensive goaltending. Supposedly, one of his teammates had his hand on the rim. As the ball was falling through, which is a a, a no no, right? Right. But but well, um, I didn't, I didn't but this dude. Okay, so so this coach, his name is Coach Lou. Coach Lou has that tape. He shows it to me. He plays me in that tape, and he goes, "Look at the tape. Do you think his hand was actually on the rim?" So he's still feeling it. He's still feeling it. He's yeah. still feeling. It. He's like a, he's like forty five now, right? He's still feeling <laughs> it's it. Like thirty or less. It's like, yeah, little, it was in the mid eighties. Yeah, oh he, it was in the mid eighties that he did that. Ew. And I gotta say. It's hard to tell if his hand was actually on the... Yeah. So he, he goes on. 
uh, Lou plays for UCLA and then Clemson, which are big basketball schools, and then he gets his injury, ends his playing career. Um, he comes back and, and, and coaches. As an assistant coach and then later the head coach, he has led six teams back to state, and he's lost all six times. <gasps> Right? Oh my god, so he's cursed. Yeah, so he's cursed. So it like, seems like he's cursed. It's like not just Bruce him. Lee. The, the, the school has cursed because they went, they went to state uh, once more without him as a coach or a player, and they lost oh, that too. This right? is terrifying. So, so they've lost, like, the school has lost eight times. They've gone to state eight times. They've lost every single time. So the, the season that I followed them supposedly was their best chance at finally winning state. So, so that's why I followed them. Wait, wait. It's, and, and the end of the book is like if they win or lose? <laughs> and the end of the book is if they win or lose. Okay, yeah. we won't say anything. Yeah. Well, they had to make it to state, and then, yeah. and luckily they did. Okay, at least so, that happened. Yes. At least that yes, happened. Yes, at least that happened. That is, how can he not be more and more angry every single year? I know, right? right? Like, well, he's like a really calm dude. But but I also think that um, that's, that's yeah. something that I noticed. Like yeah. being somebody who's not an athlete, yeah. Watching these athletes, you know, when I was a kid, I just had a lot of animosity towards athletes. I think, but yeah, but but yeah, now, so like now as an adult, watching these like 14, 15, 16 year olds compete, I realize that when you're an athlete, you are constantly dealing with failure. Yeah, you know, like as a writer, I do too, but it's much slower. <laughs> Not it's this much year, slower. <laughs> but but it's much slower. Like yeah. for them, for them, they make a shot. It's it's an air ball. Yeah, it's an air ball in front of everybody. The whole crowd reacts. Yeah, and they have to keep playing. Yeah. you know, so it's it's like it's like baby. Not even baby but it's like little shots of uh defeat over yes, and over and over again over where they, over they again. have to deal with and they're just i don't want to say desensitized but i guess they maybe just learn how to deal with it better and better yes. every year yeah they got to figure it out or, yeah. they, or, or, or they're they off leave. the team or yeah. they leave yeah, yeah. Yes. you know i a thing that i like about his writing that was particularly demonstrated in issue 11 here is um it doesn't have that overabundance of just like sexualized characters and not at all and and in here like there's even just sort of like at one point he's talking about like the this female flash character who is actually from the flash rebirth series and is now over in new superman now but uh he's talking about like do i have a crush on this girl and he's like nah, no she's not really my type and then like at one point like she loses like are you just like falling behind so you can be checking me out he's like you're not really my type like (laughs) it it brings it up but it's not like a thrust of the book which is you know in western comics that's a lot of it and tv shows as well it's just sort of like the will they won't they dynamic of storytelling and in secret coders as well like it's just not a part of it and i really love when people don't use that like romantic tropes i'm just like i'm really tired of that so he i like a story that doesn't even need to bring bring it into it so the two main characters and the secret coders are just like awesome friends and they're in whatever grade and i do need that uh because i'm a shallow shallow (laughs) (laughs) i just at this point reading i read enough that i'm sort of just like if you i don't get a lot if if you i read textbooks yeah there's no no romance romance. in a textbook Yeah. yeah well but i i like what you're saying though because he doesn't he doesn't uh, focus on it, but right. it's still there. Like, and like, if you're somebody like me, you still have enough to like. I mean, he, the new Superman, he likes that reporter girl. Right. It's very, it's very. Uh-huh. Um, uh, what do I want to say? Um, formulaic. Um, but in, in in Secret Coder, they're kids. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. mean, you know what? They they're good friends. You know, well, you they might grow up. the makeout session in issue three. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, they make <laughs> no, out. No, no, three. Okay, good. I was like, no, I love that they're just kids. <laughs> no. and they don't need, we don't need no. to be telling kids that when you see somebody of the opposite yeah. gender, you immediately have to question, are you attracted to them or not? Oh, right. Wait, you know, I, I forgot. I forgot this isn't just our podcast. Kids oh. might listen to this. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, I, that's good. We're good. Yeah. We got that. Yeah. No, but no, it, it's, it is true, though. And, and you're right. It is refreshing that you can have a series where you can actually, you know, um, I mean, they do this in New Superman. They kind of celebrate friendship, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that's Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there is romance, but there's just a lot of friendship. Yeah, and, and that's some that's a relationship that is very strong that we all care about as humans. That isn't really investigated and explored enough it's in, in this genre. It, it's because, like, it, you know, what's the payoff of friendship? It, you know, it doesn't have the will they, won't they dynamic, but it's, right. I think it's something, particularly right now, we needs to be pressed upon more. You know, like, people yeah. need to be making more friends and not necessarily trying to rush the point of is this my romantic partner or not. Um, but yeah, so, like, I, I, I like what you're saying about, like, the, the not hitting you over the head with these, like, it's, common it's, things. There's some subtlety there. Yeah, and and I think he's that, all about subtle. That's all Jiang yeah. is. Well, and the broadening <laughs> cultural horizons, but not beating your beating you over the head with it, and not being like, oh, you're dumb, you didn't know this. But it, yeah. but it's it's more like it introduces questions um, 
that you know view cultures in a positive light just like i was talking about like you know the superman accesses his powers by concentrating chi into different areas of his body and like right. that's a really interesting exploration of superpowers mm-hmm. but then it begs that it, like and it's there's a like a symbol that is mm-hmm. that he focuses on when he's doing that um and it just made me be like all right well what's the symbol and then like what are these all like mm-hmm. and it made me want to do independent learning about this that wouldn't have happened otherwise so that's that's what um, basically makes a good educator and and so i'm teaching a science communication course this this quarter and we had this clip of neil degrasse tyson and he's talking about how to how to say a specific like um a good soundbite how do you do a good soundbite to make sure that people are going to actually want to learn science and part Part of it, it he, I think he says it has to be tasty, it has to make them feel good, but it also has to leave them wanting more. And to be a good educator is to, to kind of, um, what do I want to say, kind of inspire people to kind of find this stuff on their own. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he said, like, you know, I have these kids, he run, he's in a museum, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's the director of a museum, and he's like, I have these kids for, what, an hour? But they have, they're in school for, you know five hours a day, you know, 200 and something days a year. (laughs) And he's like, I only have this amount of time, so I have to be brief, but I have to inspire them to actually look for things themselves. And I think that these comics do that. I think that's what you said. They, they like give you the confidence and, um, I don't know this, the, you know, to be brave enough to go look for this stuff on your own. I think like, the uh, courage, that's what I was looking at, the bravery. Yeah. (laughs) With both uh, education and just art in general, I think that the creator or the educator, you know, is, is extending something towards the participant or the learner or the reader. But again, like the person on the receiving end has to make a gesture. They have to, seek learning as well like you can't just tell somebody something right it, information and opinions are the byproduct of synthesizing information yourself you have to make it your own um so mm-hmm. in doing that it, you have to have a proactive approach to it so how do you imp, you know make people want to have a proactive approach towards learning things and, and this does it uh secret coders through uh entertaining all ages narrative and then you know superman similarly uh through superhero tropes, but it's ownership. Yeah, you have to give them their own ownership of it. Yeah, you have to encourage them to like. I'm giving you this. You have to come to. You know, you're, yeah. it's a it's a dance. It's yeah. a dance. Do we know how many issues he's got planned for a new Superman? No, we should email him. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just like a lot of times uh, creator will have a set number of issues that they have in mind and then they'll pass the reins off to another creator and I, I don't know who... You're like scared now. Like, I don't want it to leave, well, Gene. Yeah, I mean, what, what would happen if they gave this to Scott Snyder? Or, you know, like, it, That's it true. could totally it's... fall flat, but this is a DC character. It's not Gene... Yeah. It's, it's not his character. It's, yeah. This, this belongs to DC. Yeah. He's not going to always write it forever and ever. Yeah. I wonder if they'll end so, it without him or, yeah. Yeah, like, are, do they do they stop when he stops or do they give it to someone else and how do they make that decision? Um, but but I think that you're right about Gene and how it's so great that he was so excited about basketball because he he made it his own story. It's, it's a coach that works at this place, you know, that he is friends with, mm-hmm. that he cares about this outcome. He cares about this guy's psyche, right? <laughs> Him going a little insane. Well, he found so. the human part of the basketball story, right. and that's you know obviously that's what he's he likes is the people in the stories as much as the like the larger Superman punch him up yeah. stuff. It's it it a good comic book and a good book generally comes down to the people over the plot. I think, and it's it's complex people, and we've yeah. actually talked about this before. Of this idea of this is why people don't like Superman. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. he's too simple. He's too sh- shallow. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, he's just good and everything. You've got to be a great writer to write a great Superman story. Exactly. And and in the very first issue of New Superman here, Gene Yang basically makes him a giant jerk. Yeah. And if you read American Born Chinese, and this is going all the way back to his first, his first graphic novel, that kid's not the best, you right. know? And we talk about being... Um, the ideal minority, you know, being the model minority, and if you're gonna if you're gonna write about a person of color, it's really hard to write them as a full complex person because you don't want to build on stereotypes, but you also don't want to be a saint because right. we're not saints, you know, we're right. normal people. So uh, it, same thing with Shadow Hero. If you read Shadow Hero, his mom is a really complex, like not the greatest mom, but she's not a bad mom either, and right. it's you kind of. You need to realize that people are complex and not, you know. I mean, yeah. the mother in Secret Coders is similar. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, she's a butt for most of it. Yeah. And then you find out why. Yeah, yeah third book. Like, Got to read it. <laughs> I, I do. I can't wait to. So I am going to ask you this. What is the next thing you're going to do past basketball? 
Or is that like your next yeah, big thing? Yeah, that's the next big thing. That's yeah. the next big thing. I've, we've, we've been talking about what we might do next, but nothing's yeah. landed. And then yeah. when is the national ambassadorship? When is that over? It ends this December. This December. Yeah. And then you're going to be free. Yeah, then I would have free. I, yeah. One of the things I'm looking forward to most is I get to sit in on the meeting to choose the next ambassador. So I want to see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, like That's in be awesome. that'll be in like September, I think, or somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah wow. I'm excited about that. That is going to be awesome. I will ask you this one last thing. If you could be a superhero, like if you could go to these cons and dress up as like a superhero or some character, who would you dress up would as? Would I have the would I have the powers or just just no, the look? Well, just uh, the look? Let's do powers too. Let's yeah. If I ha- also had the powers? Let's do I two. I would want to be the powers and okay. the look. Which one the, two the different powers? Ones. Yeah. The powers, I would want to be multiple man. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Jamie Maddox, Maddox. I think it's Jamie Maddox in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he can make clones of himself. Yep. And I always thought that was awesome. Yeah. I would just try to fill the world with clones of me. That'd be great. I th- yeah, I think I have asked you this. Yeah. That is the one. You yeah. Have. And yeah. then uh, Who would and you then dress up as? and then I would dress up as um, Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. He's Who's my Mr. he's my favorite. He has my favorite suit. It's like super goofy looking. It's like red and green and yellow. Yeah. He's the world's greatest escape artist. No, I'm sorry. The universe's greatest escape artist okay. in the DC universe. Okay. So he came from. Uh, a planet called Apocalypse, and he escaped. Oh right, okay. Uh, Granny goodness's, um, like a, like little school. Like I think this is all very familiar. For oh, have we talked League. about? Uh, yes, no, no, no. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He yeah. shows up on Justice League. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a uh, like a two or three like episode arc, arc yeah. about him. I'm gonna yeah. totally look this up. Yeah. He's well, my favorite. thank you so much for talking to me. This oh, has thank been you, awesome. Regina. It's I want to give you a hug it's when we stand always, up. Always, it's always fun. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna sign off now. Um, I don't know how we're going to get back. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. He's really cool. He's, like, your interview with him, he's so nice. Yeah, like, he's he crazy nice. Like, he takes a genuine interest in you. He's, talk, know, like, he's talking about he's like, these things. He's like, how are you doing? Yeah, he <laughs> wants to listen. He's like... He interviewed you. He flipped it on you. We, <laughs> he flips it on me twice. So the first time I interviewed him, um, it was at Western Washington University, and he was there for a literary conference. And we're talking, and I had just read a ton of his stuff in the last, like, 48 hours. So I just... All about Gene Yang in my head. And we start talking about drawing, and he's like... And I talk about how I, I wanted to draw when I was a kid and I wanted to be an artist and I never did it. And he's like, why did you give up writing? And why did you give up drawing? And I'm like, what? And he's like, you shouldn't give it up. I mean, tell, tell me about it. And I'm like, why, what? Like, he totally <laughs> turned it around and he was like, my therapist. Yeah. And, and then yeah. I sent him, I did do a comic in grad school and we talked about it on the, on the, in the interview and I sent him the comic and he was like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I thought it was just me. I thought he's like, he's just nice to me. You go to any of his interviews. He's just the nicest dude. It shows. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I like seems... to think he's my best friend, but I don't think he is. <laughs> you can, uh, <laughs> we've met a lot of creators uh, in comic books, and that's the kind of creator you want to meet. Like somebody yeah. that's not just following you through a line. Like somebody yeah. that is talking to you, wants to talk to you. I'm um, not going to name any names, but I was disappointed <laughs> three or four times at the last Emerald City. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, creators yeah. can yeah. be very bullheaded. I mean, in that situation, too. They're just sitting there, yeah. like, grinding through people who want their autographs for eBay the time you know it's not it's not as one-on-one we've been really lucky with everybody we've talked to yeah i mean the one person we've talked to on this podcast um (laughs) well i i would i do want to say just to kind of continue the idea of how awesome and nice gene is um he actually got back to me via email and i i found him and i was a little late and we were walking out and he saw somebody dressed up as ang like from Avatar nice. Last mm-hmm. Airbender. And he's like, oh, can I take a picture of you? And they didn't know who he was, yeah. right? And, and, and they're like, yeah, of course. And he took a picture of them, and I was about to take a picture of him taking a picture of, <laughs> of Aang, and I just missed it. And I was like, oh, man, I missed it. And he goes, oh, do you want me to go back? <laughs> and like, so he goes back, and like, I have a picture of it, and it's totally staged right. because he did it for me. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, where do you want to talk? And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I don't have a press pass here. So we found like a deserted hallway and I have a picture of us in this hallway and we're sitting on the floor in this tiny narrow hallway and people are like walking past us and it was just super awkward and he was nice the entire time yeah Yeah, he's just a super nice guy well I hope that you can somehow use some pull to get him up here again sometime I uh, next time he's up here I would love to get him in the store I would love to have him on a podcast here um I I would really love to meet him he He's the kind of he exudes a type of goodness uh, yeah. that I I find very very inspiring. Um, if he shows up to Emerald City Comic Con next year, I'll, I'll I saw I saw Django trunk. there. 
So I'll, I'll round you guys up and yeah. maybe we can find another hallway that's bigger and yeah. interview him again. Um, there's, I found one quote from him that I just think is, it's not even too much of a quote, but he just describes comics. He says, comics are motivating, visual, permanent, intermediary, and popular. And I think that that, that awareness of what comics are shows through in, in both of these books. They're not, he's not below comics writing a story he's aware of a medium and he's utilizing that medium to to sort of put his his agenda out there Mm -hmm. um and i think that there's not enough creators using comic books in that way and and i think that if you are looking to be inspired by what a comic can do uh he is a writer that i would absolutely point to as somebody who's who's being very uh forward thinking yeah it inspires me yeah just like jenga yeah, no. that's beautiful. I'm a villain. <laughs> that's right. We talked about this. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end. Yeah. He, he was great. Thank you so much for getting that interview. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing it with us. Thanks well, for letting us yeah. be on your show. Thank you for being on ours. Yeah, thank you for being on my show. That's it's like a for, flip book. Yeah, first <laughs> first crossover. Might have to do that intro one more time. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. Or if you want to record one and send it to me, we can do that too. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. It's been it's forced me to get caught up on a lot of stuff. And it forced like it's so easy in comics to kind of just ride the the waves. And you encouraged me to do a thing that I had put on the back burner. And super super glad that you did. I'm very forceful. Yeah. Do we have like? Uh, oh, I know. I placed <laughs> orders for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Do we have uh, like a? late 80s high five like three people high fiving cartoon sound effect we can use I mean we could do a clap sound or we could just do like your breakfast club don't you forget about me outro or oh, yeah. no isn't there like the the um the twins the uh, wonder twins wonder, wonder twins, twins. Wonder twins activated. <laughs> yes. surprise us Jeff uh, that, I'll surprise you that should be our podcast crossover the, the wonder twins the, I like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um alright well I'm Jeff I'm Django and I'm Regina thanks so much yeah goodbye We've got to stay awake, Jaina. Wonder Twin powers activate. Shape of octopus. Form of an ice unicycle. Come on, Jaina. It's up to us to stop those aliens. This is Spark Science, and we'll be back again next week. Listen to us on 102.3 FM in Bellingham or KMRE.org, streaming on Sundays at 5 p.m., Thursdays at noon, and Saturdays at 3 p.m. If there's a science idea you're curious about, send us an email or post a message on our Facebook page, Spark Science. This is an all-volunteer-run show, so if you want to help us out, go to sparksciencenow.com and click on Donate. Our theme music is Chemical Calisthenics by Black Alicious and Wonderland by Janelle Monet. Lead, gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc, when I wrap you think, iodine, nitrate, activate, radiuranium, the only difference is I transmit sound. Donald's whistle, Donald's then you add a little talent in. Careful, careful with those ingredients, they can explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground.